part three of our Colossians series. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter three. We're going to be focusing in on the first 11 verses there uh, today. In the fall of 1992, uh, Michael Plant was a popular American yachtsman. And he was a solo yachtsman. He decided that he was going to set sail from the United States for a a solo transatlantic crossing to France. And at the time, there had actually been more people on the moon than those that had made this trek by themselves. His vessel was a state-of-the-art sailboat called the Coyote. Coyote was very expensive, millions of dollars, and its equipment and its hull were made of the finest materials. It had sophisticated electronics that were even beyond what was normal in that day and age. And there was also an 8,000-pound weight that was bolted to the keel of his sailboat that those that constructed the sailboat said made it unsinkable. So Michael Plant had everything that he needed, the expertise, the experience, and the equipment. 11 days into the voyage, however, they lost radio contact with them. And as you could imagine, anyone that would be willing to do a solo transatlantic uh, sail is an introvert. And so they didn't think anything of it in the beginning until several more days passed by without contact. And they sent out a, a search party. And when the boat was found, it was found floating upside down. They had said that couldn't happen. There was no trace of its captain, and no one knows how or why, but what happened was that 8,000-pound weight somehow broke loose and was no longer fixed to the bottom of the boat, and it became a pendulum that, when a wave came, flipped the boat over. Millions of dollars, state-of-the-art equipment, the finest and most experienced sailor was all for nothing because, because of a simple problem that occurred below the surface. And over the course of this summer, we've been taking a look at the the book of Colossians and and understanding the Apostle Paul's heart for this church and our church. And this story fits perfectly because the challenge for you and I is that our faith can look legitimate above waterline. But if we're not careful and we're not paying attention, see really what has happened is we get used to, comfortable with, and proficient at putting on a good spiritual face to those that see us. And yet below the waterline, if our faith is not bolted to the person and the work of Jesus, we have no chance, guys, when the storms come. And so that's what the Apostle Paul has been unpacking in this amazing book that we've been looking at together. And the whole heart behind what Paul is telling that church and Plum Creek is this, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the person and the work of Christ, who he is, what he did, and the implications of that in our lives. But beginning here in chapter three, Paul makes this interesting turn from from a place of kind of theological description of who Jesus is to now helping us really understand how there is an effect of the gospel, the good news, the work of Jesus in my life and yours. So as we take a look at this next chapter, we're hoping to get some clues as to what this relationship with Jesus should be doing in our lives on a daily basis. And and that is exactly what he does. So let's just jump in together. And we're going to take a look at Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to start right in verse 1. Since you have been raised to your new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Now, there's some amazing clues, some things that he talks about here that we need to unpack that will help us to live a Christ-focused life. And they're very practical. The bottom line here is that living this way is about our focus. And when our focus is right, then our perspective is right. And so my main thought for this weekend is this, that we're going to work hard this week together to focus on what matters most, Jesus. And it's all about perspective. And every once in a while, don't, don't the kind of the complexities of life cause us to need to be just kind of shaken a bit and realigned where our perspective and our focus is back, right? Because so, we can so easily be distracted. So let me ask you this question. Do you remember the first show that you binge watched? It was before binge watching was even terms that we understood. Do you remember that? Beth and I were talking about this. The first show that Beth and I binged watched was 24. Anybody else do that? Now, this is back in the day when you couldn't stream it, right? You had to have the DVDs if you were going to catch up and binge watch this thing. But uh, we were several seasons behind after folks had shared how intense this show was. And we quickly learned Jack Bowers, the man, right? Dude was incredible. He saved the day every single episode. He was on a mission, and it was riveting, and it was emotional, and there was suspense that would just draw you into the storyline, and he was on mission to save this country, and inevitably, the episode would be coming kind of to this intense and full-filled, action-filled drama, only to hear this sound that would indicate that the episode was just about over. Do you remember that sound? Here it is. And you're like, baby, it's 1138, but I think Jack Bauer's gonna die, so we better keep rolling this baby one more time, right? And if you're in my house, what that means is Beth is gonna watch the full episode because I'm gonna fall asleep, and then I'm gonna be behind, and I'm gonna have to catch up before she can keep watching. And this would happen episode after episode. That little, that little alarm would go off indicating the end. And you're like, no, Jack Bauer's going to die. And we're all going to die. And I got to keep watching. I can't go to bed now. There's no way the anxiety is too great. Until I realized this perspective. We're in, we're in season three season three and there's nine seasons of Jack Bauer saving the day. So all of a sudden perspective says, chill out, Miller. He's going to make it. This thing was shut the whole thing down. We can't, Jack Bauer must live, right? So I don't need to have so much anxiety about this. I can go to bed. Now, our perspective and our focus matters. And that's why this week you and I are going to think differently about focusing on what matters most. And that's Jesus. And that's basically what Paul is saying throughout the course of this book of Colossians. The longer that we keep looking at life and obsess about the things uh, that are a part of this world that we live in, when we focus only so much on our sinful nature and desires, dwelling on our past, overwhelmed by our current struggles, and fearful of our failures in the future, see, then the enemy wins. And what Paul keeps saying throughout the book of Colossians is, look, it's 
all about Jesus. Stop focusing on all of that stuff. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus, who he is, what he did, and how that changes your life. And all of a sudden, we look different. Our lives look differently. And so when we focus on these things, when we live with this focus, then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a completely different state of mind. And this is part of the fullness of life that God wants us to experience. Our perspective and our focus is going to set the tone for victory. So what is, what is our focus? What, how does this perspective that we can have when we understand Jesus and what he's done and how that impacts me? Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in 16 and 17. He said this, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Were you there? Me too. But how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a, say it with me, new person. The old life is, say it, gone. And the new life has begun. This is exciting. But you see, living in this victory that Paul is talking about, that's a whole other story altogether, isn't it? You might have an idea about it. But really living in the fullness of this victory is a different thing. You see, the greatest step of faith in your life that you can make and that I can make is when we uh, understand who Jesus is and we embrace that with our hearts. We believe who he is and what that means for us about who he is as, 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 our, as our savior and as our Lord. But you can't stop there, guys. This must continue. The second greatest step that we can make is to believe what God says about who you are. This is critical for all of us to know who we are in Christ and to know the implications of that to our daily living because we're a new creation in Christ. In Romans 6, 14, it says it this way, sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Completely different perspective, completely different focus. And that's why this week we're going to focus on what matters most, and that's Jesus. And the question that we want to ask ourselves and the, and the issue that the Apostle Paul is going to unpack for us in chapter 3 is, how does the implications of living this new life, how, does that, how do those things affect my life as it relates to this sinful nature and sin in my life? And we're going to see in this passage that part of breaking free from sin is it boils down to our focus and where we focus. We're gonna focus on what matters most, and that's Jesus. And you need to remember where Paul started. You remember the purpose behind this book, guys, was that, that there, was this, there was this prevailing kind of thing that was part of their society that this church was living in that was trying to derail and add to and twist and turn what, who Jesus was. They were making it about a, whole other, about a whole lot of other things instead of just Jesus. And so Paul kept bringing them back to the main thing. The main thing is the main thing. And God's plan is first to make us new. And then the challenge for all of us is to actually live that new person life. Easier said than done. In short, we don't have to be like we've always been. And we can, guys, we can break free from sin in our lives if we will adjust our focus. So how do we live with proper focus? If you're taking notes, let me give you a couple of things that I see in this passage of scripture. The first thing is that proper focus looks up. It looks up. And that's hard to do in our culture because we become so distracted by everything that's happening here. And this, this preoccupies so much of our thinking. But listen to what Paul said in Colossians chapter three. This is powerful. Look back at it again and see his challenge. Look at verse one. 
Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. That is powerful. Where Christ sits in the, in the place of honor at God's right hand. Look at verse two. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Life should be looking different and the way we look at life should be different. And as believers, we, we know that scriptures have told us we've died with Christ, we've been buried with him and we have authority different because of uh, our relationship with him and him being seated in the, at the right hand of the Father. This is our position, but you and I must daily choose to live in that position. On a daily basis, if we're gonna live victoriously, we have to have our focus upward. And that's why Paul challenges us to set our hearts on things above. What is your heart set on? I'm sure you've heard the phrase, he's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Not true. Not true at all. Can I tell you what I am vastly more concerned about in my life and your life? That we would be so earthly focused that we would completely lose connection with what it means to be of any heavenly good. It's all about our focus. And this word set means to seek something out with passion and desire. And it's also in the present tense, which means that we set our focus there. And it's not just a decision you made one day, but it's a decision you make all day. As a matter of fact, all throughout the day. Not a one-time decision, but daily activity. Keep focusing on Christ being seated at the right hand of God. Now that provides for you and I a much needed reminder that Jesus is supreme and Jesus is in control. It ain't Jack Bauer, guys. It's Jesus. Jesus is all powerful. And this is what Paul has been saying in all throughout since chapter one, that knowing, knowing Jesus, knowing that he loves you, knowing that he is for you, that when he came, he came for you. And today he's still interceding for you and he's empowering you. You wanna live in victory, which I know we do. The first thing that we need to do is get our focus up. Paul says, set your heart on the realities of heaven. Think about things of heaven, not things of earth. So, of course, until Jesus calls us home, our feet are right here on earth, but not our focus. Our eyes are somewhere else. Our minds must be in heaven because you know that our thoughts influence our actions and so when we live with the right focus, naturally our behavior will begin to reflect things that matter to God. So this week, I challenge you to focus on what matters most, and that's Jesus. It's gonna require for you and me a tenacious focus daily because we default to being more concerned with the things that are happening here. We tend to look down instead of up. And we've been talking about this a lot throughout the course of this year, and just kind of keeps coming back, but if we change our minds, God's gonna change our hearts. That's what happens. So take inventory this week, and I want you to ask yourself this question, what is it that I think about most often? And so I'll challenge you to do this. Um, it's likely that you've plugged your cell phone in really close to your bed. And I want you to pay attention to the first thing that you think about in the morning. I want you to pick up your phone and I want you to type your first thoughts into a note. Begin to see the things that start getting you spun up. Some of you, it's like, if it's me, it's at 3.30 in the morning. What is it that causes me to not lay back down and rest? 
What is it that preoccupies the most of your thought? And then I want you to pay attention as well to the last things you're thinking about during your day. What is it that before you, you fall off to sleep that you're thinking about the most as your day completes? And ask yourself, have, you, have I set my sights on things above or am I more concerned, more overwhelmed with, more preoccupied with things of this earth and we make a conscious and deliberate and all day decision to look up and set our minds and hearts on heavenly things, the only way that happens is if we pay close attention to what we're thinking about. And our outlook will determine our outcome. So get your eyes on Jesus. Focus on what matters most, that's Jesus. So this proper focus, it first looks up, but then it also must look in. That's what Paul says, and this is where he starts to kind of unpack this understanding of what living for Jesus does to us as it relates to fighting against the sin in our lives. It's powerful. And in verse three, or in uh, Colossians 3, 5, Paul says, so put to death the sinful, and I love the, look at this into the words, the sinful earthly things, and I love this word lurking within. You got anything lurking? Because I do. And it has its way of rearing its ugly head if I don't pay attention in very real ways. And it takes the power of Jesus at work in me to defeat these things. And this is where we really begin to see what it means to be people in process. We talk about that all the time here at Plum Creek. It's okay to not be okay, but God loves you too much to leave you there. And so we need to learn to pay attention to what he's saying. We need to learn to pay attention to those inner promptings and respond to what he's saying. God's promise is that we have died to sin But you and I need to remember that, focus on that, and render those sinful desires as powerless. That's our job. It's about perspective. It's about the way that we think. Back in the day, Pastor Gary and I, 30-something years ago, went to college together. Hopefully you're still praying for him, by the way. He's got a couple weeks left on his sabbatical. But Pastor Gary and I went to college together and uh, there was this anomaly that took place on our campus that caught me as quite comical. There was this special breed of individuals, very passionate, law-abiding citizens, most of them studying criminal justice with their eyes on secret service or SWAT teams that got jobs as security guards. They were interesting folk. They drove the college's security vehicle, which was a Ford Fiesta. (laughs) And all four of those cylinders, boy, were they passionate. And uh, they got to drive that. They had the keys to that and a flashlight, some of them. They could whip that flashlight around and put it in a holster. And boy, did they feel pretty passionate about there. Let's just say these guys were a little over the top. And I don't know why that became a target to me, but it kind of did. And I enjoyed it a little bit. It was just pretty funny because if you went by the guard shack too fast, they're going to hop on it like a movie. They grab their keys. They put their hat down. They grab that flashlight. They ran out to the Ford Fiesta. And it's like a movie scene chasing you all over campus to give you a ticket. And again, I don't know, God forgive me, why this was so funny to me, but One night, we decided that we were going to, I would give these guys a hard time a lot, so we snuck out in the middle of the night, and I jacked up the front of the Ford Fiesta and blocked the tires about an inch and a half off the ground. (laughs) Went back, got in the car, drove around campus, buzzed the guard shack at about 65, 
and you should have seen that guy. We're like, we got a hot one. And boy, they take off. They get all their stuff, you know, flashlight in the holster, ran to the car, hit the gas. And that those tires were spinning as fast as those four cylinders could take it. But they got absolutely nowhere because he could step on the gas pedal and those wheels could spin like crazy. But that car it wasn't going anywhere. It's somewhere I would sit in a parking spot just thinking about that guy trying to figure out why that car didn't go. <laughs> you see, the same is, is true when you're tempted to sin. Your old nature. See, it might get all revved up and those tires might get spinning, but our new perspective and focus says, my old nature has died with Christ. And now I, I have I have separated the power of that sin from me in my life. It has no victory over me. And when we begin to live with different focus and a different perspective, we begin to know and experience the reality of these promises, like Romans 6.11 that says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. See, it's a matter of focus. It's a matter of perspective. And this is so much more than just checking the box, coming to church on the weekend or worshiping online. It has to be a daily focus. As the Millers said in the LCTV, look, this is more than checking a box. Jesus extends his grace to all of us, but he also, guys, tells us the truth because as scriptures say, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And Paul does this. And we have to be honest. We have to name the sins in our life. And if you can't name it, you can't defeat it. And the reason you can't defeat it is because you haven't put a target on it. So listen to what Paul does. He starts unpacking some things as he's challenging that church and he's challenging our church to, to think differently. And he says this, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And we start listening to these lists and we're like, oh boy, oh boy, oh yeah, okay, all right, I needed to do this. And then look at verse seven, because Paul reminds us that sin is the old life and that this shouldn't be part of our lives now. Look at verse seven. He said, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. And so the challenge that he has for me and the challenge that he has for you is that we need to put the past in the past. And we need to live different now. We need to now live lives that reflect our true identity. And I know what some of you were like doing a mental check while he was listing these things and you're like, whoo, oh yeah. I made it through verse five of his list of sins. But he's not done yet. Let's take a look. He keeps going. Look at verse eight. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Basically, what Paul is saying here is if you want to put on the new, you got to take off the old. We don't just keep layering it on. The verb rid calls for decisive decisions. So this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to name it so you can put a target on it. And if you're struggling to figure out what it is that you, that you might be uh, dealing with in your life that has the, the tendency to trip you up, just ask your spouse. How about ask your kids? Because they'll tell you. Ask your closest friends. Because they know, 
Ask God. Ask God to speak to you. You see, proper focus looks in. And then we need to solicit help after we've been honest and, and get accountable, be in relationships where we're working together to put on this new life that we have in Christ. So proper focus not only looks up, it also looks in. And then third, write this down, it also looks out. Because this new perspective that we have of life changes the way that we see others. And how does that happen? How do we then become different kinds of people in the way that we see and know and experience the people that are around us? Look at verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, this changes. And then look what he says in this next, in this next sentence. In this new life, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. May I add Democrat or Republican, a passionate mask wearer or not, right? All of a sudden, we begin to realize that we're in, when we know Jesus, does all of those things matter? Of course, But look, look what he says. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Listen, we've just walked through, you and I together, the most difficult, challenging, polarized season that likely any of us have ever seen in our lifetimes. And people are mad at each other because we don't agree. When did that happen? When did it happen that all of a sudden, if we don't agree with one another, we should throat punch each other? If all of a sudden what you believe and how you feel about politics and masks and all of these things is more important than people, please hear me, you're wrong. You're wrong. People matter. And we can disagree and it's okay to disagree. Don't throw punch me. I won't throw punch you. Let's live like Jesus did and understand that Christ is all that matters. And Paul is talking about this ongoing development of getting to know Jesus. And as we get to know Jesus, what happens? We get to be like him. You know what my mom said? You get to be like the people you hang out with. So focus on what matters most. What's that? Jesus. And what's going to happen? You'll start to get to be like him too. That sounds like a really, really good idea to me. I need to do that, and so do you. Because all of a sudden, when we live this way, when we begin to know him, and and, and this begins to happen in our lives, people are gonna notice a change, and then that change is gonna impact the world around us. Can I tell you what will impact America the best? You live for Jesus. That'll change our culture. If you live for Jesus, it will change this world. As a matter of fact, that was his plan from the beginning. Anytime these other things become more important than Jesus, we need to get back with our heads looking up, our hearts looking in, and then live to impact the world around us. And in this word here, in this sentence, he indicates that that in Christ there should be no barriers of nationality and race and education and social standing and politics and wealth and gender and religion or power. The gospel, guys, breaks down prejudice. As Christ followers, we must make sure that we are not allowing any division or prejudice to take root in our lives. 
because Christ is all that matters. And when we get close to Jesus, we think like Jesus thinks and our heart beats like his heart beats. And then we realize people matter more than all of this stuff. So we love different. We care different. We see each other differently. And loving each other becomes the priority over being right. Because Jesus matters. So Paul's challenge is great. And all of a sudden, we're like, geez, Paul, you're bringing the thunder today. It's hard to live this way. The reason it's hard to live this way is this, because our eyes are just primarily focused on this world. What we see and experience and know here, we get so preoccupied with. So Paul says to you, and he says to me, will you bow your heads and listen again? This week, this week, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Stop getting so worried about all of these other things here on earth. Rather, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. All of a sudden, when we live this way, we get to be like this guy we're hanging out with. And Jesus is the one that you want to be like. So, Father, today I thank you for this challenge. Oh, it's so tough. It's tough to live in, the, in this embrace of this new life that you've given us. And today, Lord, we just, man, we want to know that our priorities have gotten way out of whack and you ultimately are all that matters. And perhaps there's someone in this room or someone that's worshiping at home that hasn't made that decision to step across the line of faith and fully embrace this Jesus that Paul's been talking about in Colossians. And you realize that life can be such a challenge and when you think about life change, you want your life to change. When you think about sin, you've tried to fight it yourself and you've not been effective in that. Well, listen, there is a power available to you when you embrace the power that is only gonna be in your life when you say yes to Jesus. You see, this is when things begin to change. And if you're ready for that process to begin in you, it starts by you saying yes to him knowing that Jesus loves you, that Jesus came to earth and he died for you so that you could experience this forgiveness and have hope for eternity with him. And if that's you and you're here today or you're watching online, would you just right now in this moment say, Jesus, that's what I want. I wanna know you this way. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help me to set my feet on a new course where I have a new life because of you, that your redemptive process would start in my heart and that you'd lead me on this path of understanding who you are and what you care about, what your heart beats about and how you love and care for people and help me to emulate those things in my life too. Lord, for all of us, will you help us to do some evaluation this week? Would we actually say with with hearts that are telling the truth that our focus is on you most. Lord, we get distracted easy. 
So I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet. And Lord, as we sing this song together, would it be a declaration from, from the depths of our soul today? Would you be honored by what we say? Because with intentionality, we're going to head into this week differently. That we're going to allow our hearts to be focused on what matters most and that's you, that we would take inventory, that we would keep our eyes up, that we would let you speak to us about what's happening inside of our hearts and what it is that we struggle with most. And then, Lord, will you change the way we see others? Will you help us to see with your eyes the people that we come into contact with in love in a way that would honor your name and the sacrifices you've made? Be honored in our worship now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.